Version 1.0 of our draft guide is officially done. So I thought a fun way to introduce our draft guide coming out later today is talk about my 10 favorite player comps whose prospect write-ups and player cards are featured in the 2024 Dynasty Wall Street Journal. Player comparisons are tricky because they're not always one-to-one. Sometimes I draw mine from, you know, film-related stuff, how they play the position, their prospect profiles, their combination of strengths and weaknesses. So these are never going to be perfect, but it is a fun exercise to give you guys an idea of what these players look like if you haven't had a chance to watch their film or watch them play yourselves. So very excited to get into these. Again, feel free to comment down below some of your comps to some of the players I talk about if you want to know other players, feel free to ask me down below there in the comments. Version 1.0 of our draft guide will be live later today. Check out the link down below for access to it. Version 2.0 will be live after the combine with updates and with more players, 50 players, hopefully live in version 2.0 of the draft guide. But with that being said, if you enjoy, leave a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Now let's get into it. All right, let's start it off with some of the wide receiver comps I have. I'm actually going to avoid Marvin Harrison, Romo Dunze, and Malik Neighbors just because we talk about those guys so, so much. I'm going to get into some a little bit more deeper names at the wide receiver position. And again, these comparisons are not one for one. They're not exactly who they remind me of. No player is going to look exactly the same as another player. It's just stylistically, there is some similarities, some of their profiles, their strengths, their weaknesses, and I'll break that down with each guy. So the first guy that I'm going to talk about, and these are in no particular order, is Brian Thomas Jr. A guy that I actually recently went back and watched. I had to adjust his grade a little bit because I was a lot lower on Brian Thomas Jr. The first time I watched him, I'm still a little bit lower. He's currently my wide receiver seven right now. A lot of people have him wide receiver four, wide receiver five. My comparison that I settled for on Brian Thomas Jr. is Nico Collins, wide receiver of the Houston Texans. I think part of the reason that I love this comp for Brian Thomas Jr. is because if you go back and watch Nico Collins when he was at Michigan, you saw a raw athlete playing wide receiver, and you're just hoping and praying that this dude could turn into a stud wide receiver for you because he had some of the elements that made him a great wide receiver. He had good hands. He had great contested catch ability. He was a great athlete. He could run. He could jump. Everything that you wanted in theory from a wide receiver, those guys don't always work out, but Nico Collins did. And with Brian Thomas, I think the same strengths exist. He's big, he's fast, he's physical, and he works well downfield. And aside from like a DJ Chark archetype, I think part of the reason why Nico Collins was so intriguing is because both guys clearly moved very, very well for their size. And you thought, hey, maybe there's a chance this guy could develop into a true alpha X wide receiver target hog type of dude, or at least a very solid number two wide receiver. And that's kind of what Nico Collins has developed into, depending on what you think of him versus Tank Dell. The one concern I have for Brian Thomas Jr. is the mental aspect of the game, because to be a little bit more of a raw prospect, to have to put things together at the next level, it's a risk. It could mean that he busts at the NFL level, but he's a young player. He's just 21.6 years old on draft night. He makes some mistakes here and there, wasting some steps, misreading zone coverage and not using his body all the time to shield defenders but all of those seem coachable all of those seem correctable in my opinion so I have risen a little bit on Brian Thomas Jr. My comp for him was always the same. It was always Nico Collins. So this is a guy I feel pretty confident taking at the back end first, early second round of rookie drafts. And keep in mind that Nico Collins range of outcomes for Brian Thomas Jr. Number two on this list, one of my favorite comparisons is Adonai Mitchell to George Pickens. I put this one out on Twitter the other day, and this one is so vibes based. I kind of understand why some people didn't really see it. 
with Adonai Mitchell and George Pickens because when I was scouting George Pickens coming out of Georgia a couple years ago, I was severely, severely frustrated watching his film because he could not command a high target share. And I didn't understand why, because on some plays, George Pickens looked like he was the best receiver in the class in 2022, exhibiting great hands, tremendous body control, fluid movement at six foot three, 195 pounds. And you knew he had great speed as well. And he showed that at the combine. So with George Pickens, there was this like frustrating level of why can't you do this more consistently? Why can't you look like the best receiver on the field more consistently? And he's kind of still that way in Pittsburgh right now. And that's exactly how I feel when I watch Adonai Mitchell at the University of Texas as a Longhorns fan when I was watching his film. Pickens thankfully went to a landing spot in Pittsburgh that knows how to develop wide receivers, knows how to develop his skill set, and they can contain some of that inconsistency even though he hasn't even had a quarterback really to throw him the ball so far to this point in his career. I think we would all consider George Pickens to be a hit at the next level. The other side of this coin, though, with Adonai Mitchell is Denzel Mims, which is also in his range of outcomes because some of these inconsistent wide receivers that make flash plays and have great hands and can make contested catches and that kind of thing, sometimes that gets you into trouble and that's all you end up becoming at the next level. George Pickens, of course, had better efficiency metrics coming out of Georgia than what Adonai Mitchell has. He's not a target earner. He's not been very productive on a yards per route run basis, but at two power five schools, two college football playoff schools, he's been a starter. He's been productive. He's shown up in big moments. He's caught a touchdown in every college football playoff game of his entire career. Let's get him to a great landing spot. Let's get him to go to the Buffalo Bills to learn alongside Stefan Diggs. Let's get him to the Cincinnati Bengals to work with Jamar Chase, or the Kansas City Chiefs to work with Patrick Mahomes. Even the Tennessee Titans, I think, are a decent landing spot for him because we saw Brian Callahan and that scheme develop T. Higgins. So I do think that a lot of those landing spots make a lot of sense for Adonai Mitchell, and I think his ceiling comp probably would be a guy like T. Higgins, but George Pickens is the guy that I settled on because they totally reminded me of each other when I was watching George Pickens a couple years ago. So number three on this list is Lad McConkey to Golden Tate. So Golden Tate, I'm not ranking my favorite comps in order right now, but I would probably put this one number one because Lad McConkey's uh, moniker as like a white slot receiver is everybody thinks he's Julian Edelman. Everybody thinks he's going to be Wes Welker, but he's so much more than that. He ran nearly 22 miles per hour in-game time speed. So we got a guy that has legitimate 4-3, 4-4 speed, and he has the elusiveness, the athleticism, and most importantly, his best trait is his elite change of direction in space to make him a super slot receiver if you want to put him in that role at the next level, or he can play on the outside as a fantastic Z receiver, and Golden Tate did both of those things for plenty of years in Seattle, in Detroit, by being what scouts call a route salesman. And essentially what both Lad McConkey and Golden Tate do very, very well is they don't telegraph where they're going on their routes. When you watch Lad McConkey run, if you're a defensive back trying to guard him, you don't know if he's running an out route, you don't know if he's running an in route, you don't know if he's going deep. You don't know if he's doing a double move, if he's going to cross your face and run a slant. Whatever his route is, you will not know until he actually breaks on the ball, and you probably don't have the change of direction that Ladd McConkey has, and that is why I believe he will be one of the best route runners in the NFL with some good development. Golden Tate was a 4-4 speed guy coming out of school. Ladd McConkey might even be a 4-3 speed guy coming out of school. Golden Tate was far more productive, which is something that he has over Ladd McConkey's profile. His final year at Notre Dame, he had like 15 touchdowns and 1,500 yards. But Ladd McConkey could have had a great year this year if he had just stayed healthy because he did have a pretty good um, season in 2022, and you thought he would build upon that. He just couldn't stay healthy this season. So Ladd McConkey to Golden Tate, one of my favorite comparisons in the entire draft.
Next, we go back to the University of Texas with Xavier Worthy compared to Jalen Waddle. And I think Xavier Worthy has been in the dynasty stratosphere long enough that everybody has kind of heard what he does well from other people and watched highlight tapes and kind of taken it as gospel that he is this fast receiver that is undersized and he struggles with drops. And again, he struggles with drops in 2022 specifically, but he did have a broken hand and he did improve upon it this year and he wasn't struggling really with drops in his freshman season. So one season when he had a broken hand, he struggled with drops. The most underrated thing I think about Xavier Worthy and Daniel Jeremiah has talked about this as well is his route running ability. Everybody thinks he's just this fast receiver that can only run go routes. You do not alpha Adonai Mitchell, Jatavian Sanders and be a priority in an offense that featured Bijan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks and Roshan Johnson if you can't win consistently on your routes. The source for my Jalen Waddle comparison as his absolute ceiling is the lateral agility and speed combination. There's very few wide receivers that are both straight line fast and have the lateral agility to make you miss in space to win on their routes. And actually Xavier Worthy and Lad McConkey both have this. Nobody is Tyreek Hill. I'm never going to compare somebody to Tyreek Hill, but Jalen Waddle is the next best thing in terms of that lateral speed and straight line speed combination with the right coaching and uh, correcting a few mental lapses that Xavier Worthy admittedly has on film, a frame capable of adding some weight to it, because I think everybody assumes he's always going to be 170 pounds, even though he's like six foot one. He could add some size here. Um, he's like 20 years old. The, the guy could hit an NFL strength program and be 185 pounds, no problem. That age works into his favor. The fact that he was productive for three years, very productive, in fact, as a freshman in a, a Power 5 conference is extremely impressive. He's just 20 years old coming out of school still. He's going to be 21, barely on draft night. Jalen Waddle, my comparison for him, was actually almost 23 years old coming out of Alabama, and he didn't have nearly the prospect profile that Xavier Worthy has right now. So if anybody thinks this is an outrageous comparison, I, I challenge you to go back to Jalen Waddle's um, you know, college profile and, and tell me if it was anything special. Yeah, he was playing with great talent at Alabama at wide receiver, but Xavier Worthy is not playing with any slouches either. The profile looks a lot more like Hollywood Brown, but the tape and the upside screams Jalen Waddle for me. So Xavier Worthy, one of my favorite prospects in the draft. My comp for him is kind of like median Hollywood Brown, ceiling Jalen Waddle. And of course, if he busts, he's probably going to look something like Henry Ruggs, uh, obviously without the prison sentence. Number five, we have Troy Franklin compared to Jamison Williams slash Devontae Smith. So Franklin is such a wonky size profile. There's not a lot of six foot two, six foot three, 180 pound wide receivers out there, which makes comps kind of hard for him. I've seen Will Fuller out there. I've seen Jamison Williams. Like I said, my favorite is a combination of Jamison Williams and Devontae Smith because Franklin has the build and the speed of Jamison Williams, so that's kind of why he looks like Jamison Williams at times. But unlike Jamison Williams, who I had serious route running question marks, serious toughness, like mental dog mentality question marks, and some hands question marks coming out of Alabama, I actually think that Troy Franklin tilts a little bit more to the Devontae Smith side of the scale from an intangible standpoint and some uh, polish as a route runner. Smith was a way better route runner than Troy Franklin, don't get me wrong, but he does have a lot more polish than Jamison Williams had. I do still have those hands question marks and those ball tracking question marks from 2023 for Troy Franklin, but I think part of why I'm not as concerned about it as some people seem to be with Troy Franklin and uh, the reason I was way more concerned about it with Jamison Williams is because Troy Franklin has been productive every single year of his career. He's gotten better, improved statistically every single year of his career. And in 2022, he was great at the contested catches. He was great 
ball tracking down the field. For some reason in 2023, he just wasn't that good at it. And again, similar to Xavier Worthy, this is a player that is still just 20 years old, which makes me feel better about projecting a young player to take a big leap from college to the NFL. Sometimes we see these young wide receivers and we're like, his college tape looked nothing like that when you watch him in his rookie season. That four to five months of NFL coaching can go a long way for a guy that is very, very young and has a lot of upside like Troy Franklin. So I love the Jamison Williams, Devontae Smith range of outcomes for him, except it's more like Devontae Smith and Jamison Williams' body than it is um, exactly a direct comparison of the two players. So uh, number six, final receiver that we're going to talk about in this video is Jalen Polk. My comp for him actually is Rasheed Rice. And again, another one that I feel very, very good about. Last year, I was way lower on Rasheed Rice than I probably should have been, mainly because he was banged up on his 2022 film. But if you followed the finer details of Rasheed Rice's profile, you saw that he had a good size. He was a pretty good athlete. He wasn't an elite athlete by any means, but he was a good athlete for his size. He was creative after the catch. He had excellent hands. And to me, that adds up to Jalen Polk this year. Guy is a straight dog at the catch point, probably has the best hands in the entire class, including Marvin Harrison, including Romo Dunze, including Malik Neighbors. He's got a very, very clean projection to the NFL, in my opinion. It's just that he's not a ceiling play. And I think that's why he's very similar to Rasheed Rice is because people kind of glossed over Rasheed Rice, myself included, because he wasn't a ceiling play. And yet he's been a great investment if you guys drafted him in the second round of rookie drafts last year. Even before he was drafted to the Kansas City Chiefs, I probably should have been higher on Rasheed Rice. When a receiver exhibits that toughness, those elite hands, solid route running, and yak ability, he will find a role in the NFL. He might not hit the nuts like Rasheed Rice did, going to the best quarterback in the league, but I would love to see Jalen Polk become a reliable target for a good quarterback like Dak Prescott or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, who could move on from some guys here in free agency. Josh Allen specifically needs somebody who's going to catch the ball every time, and I think Jalen Polk is the perfect guy for that Bills offense to replace Gabe Davis if they want to go in a bit of a different direction because it seems like the downfield threat that Gabe Davis is hasn't been an effective role for them and I think they could get more effectiveness out of using their vertical slot Khalil Shakir to stretch the field or their tight end Dalton Kincaid to stretch the field up the middle and have a guy like Polk work in the intermediate range of the field instead of what Gabe Davis did well. So uh, number seven on this list, the only quarterback that I'm going to talk about is Bo Nix to Baker Mayfield. And I think the reason that this is the only quarterback I'm going to talk about is because I think this this comparison is almost spot on. These guys are both highly accurate. Of course, Bo Nix broke the completion percentage record in the FBS this past year. Both guys, I think part of the reason why I like this comparison so much is they have underrated tools. Baker Mayfield's arm is borderline elite. Everybody who knows anything about football, just in terms of raw velocity, it's matching Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in terms of raw velocity that these guys put up on the radar gun at the combine. And Josh Allen himself has literally said that Baker Mayfield has a top five arm in the NFL. Bo Nix won't light up the radar gun like Baker Mayfield did. It's more of like the Sam Howell type of arm that we're looking at here. But he is great working on the move like Baker. And two things that I think he does better than Baker Mayfield is number one, limit the bonehead mistakes that Baker Mayfield makes. It's definitely a weakness for him and it is actually a strength for Bo Nix. So that's where the comparison falls apart just a little bit. And number two, he was outstanding versus pressure. Bo Nix, his passing grade under pressure this year was 91.2. And to put that into perspective, if you look at the best seasons of every top 15 dynasty quarterback right now, Mahomes, Allen, you know, uh, Burrow, all these guys, the best one from any of those top quarterbacks was Joe Burrow's legendary 2019 season. He posted an 81.6 
PFF passing grade under pressure. So Bo Nix was like 10 points better than any of the best seasons of the top quarterbacks. And being good under pressure is something that young quarterbacks typically struggle with. And Bo Nix did not struggle with that his final year at Oregon. Both guys have the toughness, had the leadership qualities that you want as well. Baker obviously was the first pick in the draft. I don't think Nix is going anywhere remotely that high. Maybe he finds his way into the mid to late first round area. Somebody trades back up for the fifth, uh, fifth year option. Or maybe he's an early second round pick. Regardless, I think he's one of the more underrated prospects in this draft. And I really do like that Baker uh, comparison for him. So let's rattle off some running backs and get out of here. Number eight on this list, we have Jonathan Brooks, Texas running back. Compared to Aaron Jones, Green Bay Packers running back. Aaron Jones, when you watch him, he has a knack for running with excellent vision. He has great patience, and he's very physical despite being undersized for the position. Hence why he's been so productive on the goal line is because he's physical enough in short yardage. Jonathan Brooks has this quality also at six foot, 207 pounds. He's not the best built running back in the world. He should be 5'11", 220 if we were in an ideal world here, but they almost look identical. When you watch them play from being a comparable athlete, I think they're going to run the same speed. I think they're going to jump the same height. Obviously, Brooks probably won't test because of the ACL tear. The weapon in the receiving game aspect, the elusiveness in space, everything adds up to an Aaron Jones clone, in my opinion. If Jonathan Brooks can land in a similar scheme that Aaron Jones has played in his whole career, which is like that 49ers-centric run scheme, I think that he could be an awesome, awesome player. And I think some of the teams that fit that description would be the Houston Texans, the Cincinnati Bengals, or the very Green Bay Packers that Aaron Jones plays for if they want a younger replacement for Aaron Jones after this season because Brooks is coming off a torn ACL. Aaron Jones is almost 30 years old. It actually makes quite a bit of sense if they want to just one for one replace the two guys. This one is also up there as one of my favorite comparisons because I do think running style, profile, almost everything looks the exact same for these two players. And uh, Brooks actually a junior coming out instead of a uh, senior like Aaron Jones was coming out of a smaller school as well. So number nine on this list is Jalen Wright to Tony Pollard. Uh, Tennessee running back Jalen Wright. When Pollard was coming out of Memphis, he was this one-cut-and-go athlete who never had a super productive year, but the tape was great, the tools were great, and you figured, hey, we can teach this guy how to play running back at a more refined level. And at six foot, 210 pounds with low 4.5 speed, these guys are going to stack up very closely in terms of athleticism. That's what uh, Pollard actually weighed in at and ran at the NFL Combine. I actually think Wright is a better athlete and faster than Tony Pollard for a couple reasons too. I think he has a better profile. Number one, Jalen Wright had a productive season this year with just under 1,200 total yards, even though he wasn't the workhorse of the offense. That was better than anything Pollard did throughout his career. And number two, he's still just 20 years old, and he's an early declare, unlike Tony Pollard, who was a senior coming out of Memphis. The play style is very similar. The speed, the explosiveness, surprisingly great uh, through contact given the, the lanky size profile both capable receiving threats. I would absolutely love if Jalen Wright just outright replaced Tony Pollard here in Dallas. I do think that um, Dallas could use a guy like Jalen Wright because Tony Pollard, they probably don't want to pay him. If I was Dallas, I would just, oh yeah, round three, we're going to draft Jalen Wright. Round five, we're going to draft a banger running back and we're going to be off to the races with our new backfield. I don't think anybody wants to spend money on running backs nowadays in the NFL. And Jalen Wright is the successor to Tony Pollard if they can see it and if they actually pull the trigger on it. So the final running back of this video is Audric Estime, running back from Notre Dame, comped to David Montgomery. Not everybody appreciates the talent of David Montgomery, so maybe some of you guys think this is a bit of a slight to Audric Estime, but the same is true for Audric Estime as it is for David Montgomery. Both guys are tough, 
They're physical. They have excellent vision. Their rushing instincts are extremely well refined. And even though they may not be world-class athletes with 4-4 speed or 4-3 speed, they know how to make guys miss consistently. And they're also great at breaking tackles. It's very clear to me that Audric Estime is going to be one of the most underrated players in this upcoming draft cycle. And I think he will have a long career in the NFL as a day two running back, maybe a second or a third round pick, maybe a fourth round pick at worst. And in my opinion, like I said, he is one of the most underrated players in this entire class. Both of these guys were PFF darlings coming out of school as well. David Montgomery had a 91.4 rushing grade coming out of school in 2018. That was a top five mark in the country. And then with Audric Estime, he has a 94.0 rushing grade, which is a top three mark in the country for Estime. I actually think Estime is borderline a better prospect than David Montgomery just because of the youth factor that you get with him. He's an early declare. He's still 20 years old, the third youngest running back in this class. So I love that comparison as well. That would be up there with my favorites. Those are my top 10 favorite comparisons among the 30 prospects that are in the draft guide that I've graded and written up so far. Again, if you want to check out our brand new Dynasty Wall Street Journal dropping later today on FlockFantasy.com exclusively, including everything that you'll need to know for every prospect, fantasy outlook, strengths, weaknesses, grades, comps, Danny's information on them, updated with combine information once we get it, our top 30 players in 2024 rookie drafts, for Superflex for one quarterback in version two that will launch in mid-March. That'll have 50 players um, after the combine. We'll also update all that information, like I said. All of that is available on flockfantasy.com. We're also going to be beginning film breakdowns on these players very, very soon. So make sure you're signing up over there. 30% off with promo code FSE, a seven-day free trial. If you sign up annually, you get six months for free. And of course, a free Zoom consultation with one of us to talk about any of your dynasty fantasy football needs. All of the benefits that you guys can see are listed on the screen there. I could go on for 10 minutes talking about Flock Fantasy's benefits, and that's just from us. Like We also have other creators on there putting out great content, and you guys might follow Mason. You might follow Zach and Badake, the Dynasty Domain guys. All of us are working hard to make this a great product for you guys. So if you enjoy it, let me know down below what you thought in the comments. Leave your comps down below. Like, comment, subscribe. Check out Flock Fantasy, all that good stuff. But with that being said, peace out, and we'll talk to you soon.